Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, the battle for the third pairing on defense, some harsh truths, and your leftover mailbag questions and more inside today's show. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 905 of Locked On Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week, wherever you get your daily podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify. And as always, thank you for making us your first listen every day on your way to work, working from home, making breakfast, whatever. We are available for you every single day. Well, during the regular season, three times during the offseason here in the NHL, I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metlin. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, quiet a quiet lull has settled over the land of the Montreal Canadiens, but that usually means that something is about to happen in the next two to three days because every time I say this, Kent Hughes goes out and do, does something immediately. How are we feeling heading into uh, about the final three weeks before rookie camp starts? Uh, that is exactly what I was about to say, actually, is that we are recording on a Sunday morning. And every time we, we you know, every time we, we do this, Kent Hughes does something surprising. Um, and uh, honestly, I don't even know what to expect. Is it going to be another three-way trade? Is it going to be something, you know, relatively quiet? Are we going to get some uh, news slash non-news on the Montalbo front? Either way, uh, I think we're getting the closer that we get to the regular season, the more excited I am for the hockey to start. And the biggest thing is here is that I've uh, I've been kind of sitting on it for a week and thinking there are very few locked-in spots so far this year for the Canadians. And I want to focus on the defense here because there's a lot of bodies battling for not a lot of spots. I am looking at the defensive, you know, group here on uh, cap friendly. And I have four locked on names that I can be, see being an every night kind of thing. Mike Matheson, Caden Gooley, David Savard. And then I was just looking at it. I have three nailed on names here. <laughs> um, there's so, there's so much flexibility in here, but Matheson, Savard and Gooley, I feel like are going to be in the lineup every single night. And then I think, Jordan Harrison, Arbor Jack, I are probably also guys that are going to be locked into this Canadians lineup. And that leaves names like the newly acquired Gustav Lindstrom, Justin Barron, Jonathan Kovacevic, Chris Weidman as, you know, names that are battling for not a lot of spots. And then outside the NHL, Jaden Struble, Matthias Norlander, William Trudeau, uh, Nicholas Baudin, Logan Mayu. David Reinbacher is listed on here, but I am excluding him on just the idea that it is best that he goes back to Europe, and I am under the assumption that that is what is happening right now. And I guess the biggest question is, who's going to be the 5, 6, and 7 here? Because Jonathan Kovacevic played very well with Jordan Harris last year, and I think that they are someone that I'd like to keep together here. Um, sorry, I have soccer on in the background here too. And they're, they're two names that I think I would like to see stick here, but they acquired Gustav Lindstrom, and I know a lot of people want to see 
what can he do here? And then there's Chris Weidman, who was brought in to be the seventh defenseman, the rotating piece a little bit. The Canadians have a lot of bodies for not a lot of space. And it's going to come down to, do they think they can get Jonathan Kovacevic through waivers? Because he would be tremendous for the Rocket. But then again, so could Gustav Lindstrom or Chris Weidman. And I'm curious, Laura, who do you think is going to be, I don't want to say the odd person out because there's a very good chance they're still going to play in the NHL at some point this year. True to our Sunday mornings, I was on mute. Uh, I was going to say, honestly, what I was thinking about this is that I didn't see anything from Chris Weidman last year that makes him indispensable uh, in the day one or ongoing lineup. Like, I think he's essentially just there kind of as a reserve when somebody's injured. I'm really, really curious about Lindstrom. Um, I did ask around. Obviously, um, you know, Detroit fans didn't have amazing things to say about him. He's serviceable number 7D, 6 or 7D is what uh, we kept hearing. So I just, I think that Kovacevic, like in comparison, is miles better in terms of what he brings, in terms of the underlying numbers, in terms of his ability to play with other people in the lineup. Like, I think over all of those players, I would try and prioritize him unless you're, you know, like I, I you know, I, I don't think that the Canadians are going to be able to trade him for much value. He has a lot more value on the Canadians and I would hate to lose him on waivers or something like that if the other two are not as good when playing uh, together with with the Canadians, quote-unquote, established players. And I think that's the thing is that, like, Weidman going to the AHL is a luxury, like, truly a luxury. Like, maybe, you know, that he's taking some ice time away from a guy like a William Trudeau and Matthias Norlander, but if you're also trying to win games at the AHL level, which the Laval Rocket have made very clear they are trying to do, adding a guy who is putting up 50-point seasons in the AHL is not a bad thing. And I do think that there will be a team that's like, we need a, you know, a sixth, seventh guy cheap just to fill in. And I think that it's just, it would be right to move him along. Maybe he's part of another trade to make salary work at some point here, because I look at, you know, what Kovacevic brought last year. And I thought he was a very good, you know, bottom pairing defenseman here. He's got two more years on his contract too. And we know that he does some things very well. He is very responsible in his own zone. He gets the puck out when it needs to be. He's not going to score a ton of goals, but he does all the little things right that coaches love that you could put him on the penalty kill. You can go put him on, you know, your third pairing in defensive minutes there. And you can't say you trust Chris Weidman the same way. And based on the way Red Wings fans have talked about Gustav Lindstrom, I don't think he's really going to be trusted in that way either. It's probably one of the more interesting battles in camp. And then we've also, you know, not really touched on Justin Barron a little bit, who I believe is still waivers exempt next season, as is Jordan Harris. I don't think Harris is going anywhere because, as we've talked about, stop trading Jordan Harris, play Jordan Harris more in certain situations. I look at what Barron can bring to this in that he has some of the same deficiencies as Weidman in terms of defensive play in his own end, but there's far more offensive upside in there for a younger prospect that I'm willing to give that leash to and I really don't think he needs to go back to the AHL. I think he's proven he can play their quarterback, the power play there, and he's ready for those NHL minutes, and it's up to them to give it to him. 
And I think the same thing about Kovacevic is that he eventually probably becomes a seventh defenseman or gets traded later on as well. But at the same time, that's okay. We got him for nothing, claimed him off of waivers. So I think that it comes down to Kovacevic or Lindstrom. If they waive Kovacevic, I'm not 100% sure that he clears. I think the Jets would probably like to bring him back. I think other teams who look at microstats would like him there too. But I also think with two years on his deal, some teams might not want that. And he just kind of slides through on waivers there and the Canadians can figure out what else they want to do if possible. I think like, I think at the end of the day for me, I just worry about losing players on waivers before the Canadians are ready in terms of a roster. Like we saw how much injury time how much how many man games they lost to injury last season like I just I just have this fear and obviously you know things are going to happen right like players are going to get snatched up from waivers there are too many bodies on this roster assuming everybody's healthy that like eventually something like this is going to happen and I like I think I'm very very resigned to that fact I just worry a lot about the injury situation so like like you said having this luxury is is a positive it's just that, like for me, my big fear is that it gets snatched away. Yeah, and and that's the hardest part is that there's a, there's like a week and a half span where everybody's just people on waivers, people on waivers, people on waivers, and sometimes when you are in that mass of people, people can slide through in there. And like you said, it does suck to lose some people that, especially if you have plans before the season starts, before you know what injuries happen. It's it's always a hard thing to go through. The Canadians have been kind of lucky outside of a few things like Victor Mete and Nikita Sherback both got claimed on waivers and everything. But the fact of the matter is some people are going to get claimed on waivers. That is a harsh truth. And we have several more of them I want to talk about coming up in our next segment. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. And you got to get ready for NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. And now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit us at FanDuel.com slash lockdown. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and us here at Lockdown. And as always, please remember to bet responsibly whenever you bet on sports. The NFL season is right around the corner, and a lot of teams are getting a harsh dose of reality about who their players are. And for the Montreal Canadiens, this is, do we want to call this year three of the rebuild, I guess? Because we got a half season when Hughes and Gorton and everyone took over last year and now this year. So are we calling this year 2.5, year three? I usually just say year two and a half. I was going to say, because I if that is definitely where we are at here. And I look at this Canadian's roster, and as I was looking and doing a little bit of research for the first segment here on Kovacevic, Lindstrom, Weidman, etc., is there are some harsh truths about this Canadian's team this year. And this one isn't one that I think a lot of people are unaware of, but like the team will probably not be great again this year. This team will probably lose a lot of games to better teams who, you know, are a little more prepared that's okay. The biggest thing with this is they are going to lose games. We do, as you and I have said so many times over the course of this, we do not care if they lose games. 
We care if they lose games and don't look like a team at all. Like that effort where they got blown out against Toronto and Toronto put their, you know, tryout goalie in and Chris Weidman got upset. Those are the games that I'm talking about that I don't love. I do love seeing, you know, competitive contests, even if they lose because it shows progress. They're going to lose a lot this season. And I know people are going to get frustrated. I know that's just how things are going to go. It's not the end of the what's what's our favorite saying? It's not that deep. It's not that deep in this. And I think that is probably one of the biggest harsh truths that fans need to know this year is they're going to lose a lot of games again. Maybe not as much as last year and definitely not as much as the Slavkovsky year, but they are going to lose games again. So I think for me, it's how they lose that matters um, and who they put in the position, right? Like if they're just treading water and wasting time, I'm not a big fan, but if they're building habits and they're building attitudes and they're building, um, you know, they're, they're allowing players to make mistakes now to learn from in the future. Like that's what I really care about. I think my biggest concern would be um, not benching players for making mistakes. Now, Marty St. Louis has shown himself to be, um, you know, the kind of guy who will allow you to learn. Um, and I would like to see that. But I'd also like, I'd like to see individually, like certain players get better at some of the habits. Like we talked a lot about Uri Slavkovsky um, and his preparedness to play against, you know, some of the tougher NHL competition. Uh, I'd like to see some steps, uh, you know, on that front. Some players might need to improve their defensive game. Some players might need to improve their positioning. Like I just want to see improvement on the individual front as well as on the collective front in terms of, you know, like we said, like the reads, the attitudes, the, the way they approach games. And I hear, and this is, this is one of the bigger ones because as we're going through the top 25 under 25, there's a lot of debate about levels of certain players and defensive prospects and everything. There will be a point in this season when there are good prospects on defense, especially who will be playing in the AHL. There is a chance you will see Justin Barron. You know, we don't love that idea. Arbor Jack, we don't love that idea that they may play in the AHL. That is always a possibility. They are waiver exempt. They are young enough and there is enough bodies that if they want to suss out what's going on with some of these other players here, they will, you know, send guys to the AHL because the rocket have space for players like this. There are good players who are going to be in the AHL this year. Sean Farrell is going to be there. Emil Heineman is going to be there. Joshua is going to be there. Jaden Struble is down there right now. Like These are guys who are going to play games in the AHL because it is important that they get playing time regardless. Yes, we would love for all that playing time to be at the NHL level. We would love nothing more than to ice a, pro a team full of guys 25 and under that's just not how things go, though. Good prospects are going to play in the AHL this year. It's going to be frustrating because you're going to watch a guy potentially like Christian Dvorak make a mistake out there. You're going to see maybe Alex Newhook or Yol Armia doesn't do something that you want. Maybe not so much Newhook, but I get there's going to be frustration with that regardless is that you're going to see players make mistakes and then you're going to see someone like Joshua or Emil Heineman lighting it up at the AHL level and you're going to want them up there. I get that. But at the same time, we've talked about this a lot. Is it worth calling someone up to play them fourth line minutes, you know, for like three or four games or let them play, you know, top six minutes in the AHL. 
that is going to be one of the biggest things this year that people need to accept is that good players, good prospects will play in the AHL if there is not a spot for them at the NHL level. It is better for them to be playing than sitting in the press box or on the bench for you know most of the game here. And it is not a coaching staff failing. It is not a team failing. It's just they have a lot of prospects. A lot of people need to play. Right now, this team cannot ice a team full of prospects as they still move on from other veteran contracts. That's just something, you know, it's got to be accepted. You just it's a harsh know reality, that. like you're saying. <laughs> exactly. It is a very harsh reality. And that ties into this final point here that I want to that I want to definitely hammer in on here is there is a very likely at points this year and in next offseason, there are prospects on this team or players that we like that are likely going away. That is just the truth of the matter here. It's we, we look at it when Jeff Petrie got traded. I love Jeff Petrie here. And then he got traded back, which was very weird. And it turned out for the best. There are players that we like that are potentially going away in the very near future. This is a hard reset in the direction of this franchise. And that means other players that we like are going away. We love Jake Allen. There's a very good chance he will likely be gone before next offseason. We like Brendan Gallagher. There might be a team who wants Brendan Gallagher, and he might go, which is a devastating thing. I like guys like Yesielin, and I like guys like Riley Kidney. There is a chance that if they have the opportunity to be more in a bigger package for other players, that they will move on. We loved Arturi Lekkanen, and he you know, was gone. It is not a personal thing from Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon that they are trading these players. It is a fact of the matter of business is that players we like will get traded. That is just how sports works. I've gone through it a lot. We went through with PK Subban and everything else. Remember, like I watched the Packers trade their second hall of fame quarterback. Again, these things happen. The harsh truth is this rebuild is far from over. And there will be names that we have loved and watched for years that are going to go away. And that is just how things go. I just, I think for me, it's going to be a patience thing. I know Mike Hoffman was trained and we thought like that's never going to happen. I think that it's going to take a little bit longer for the Canadians to move on from some of these veterans. And I know, you know, earlier in the off season, there was some discussion um, about, I didn't want Jordan Harris traded and people think eventually he is um, because he's the one that will return the most value and he'll be an odd one out eventually in the lineup. But I think there's plenty of players to trade before we do that. (laughs) So I just think that like, you know, over the course of last season, there were a lot. There was a lot of frustration that the Canadians were not able to unload certain players quicker. Um, and then finally, the offseason came, and they got rid of two veteran contracts. So I think patience is going to be a name of the game, but I think it's going to be a bitter pill to swallow when we lose some of these younger prospects that we like in order to facilitate those trades happening. I was going to say, there is a Rubicon, a line in the sand, a whatever cliche you want to use for it, that it is, we have stocked up on so many prospects and picks. Now we need to turn those into actual results. Arizona has stocked up on a lot of things, and they're looking to turn that corner now and become a competitive team. I, I'm not going to say anything further because that is what they're doing. This is what rebuilding teams will do, and you can only sit in that stockpiling phase for so long that it's like, well, we don't want to trade Jordan Harris or trade this guy or trade this guy. 
And it's like if teams are offering you things and you have the opportunity to take that step forward and you don't do it and you keep yourself in the same spot, it's the same as never selling off prospect. It's It leaves you in this weird middle ground that you don't want to be stuck in. We have prospects and we can turn this into something, but like just what, you know, eventually that day will come. And one, that's a good thing because that means the rebuild is over and that means we're competitive, supposed to be competitive again. We as in the Montreal Canadiens, not as in you or I. I, I, I am not a goal scoring forward in the NHL, unfortunately. So I am not of much use to the Montreal Canadiens at this point. Uh, obviously things will change over the course of the season and that there will be lots of lessons still learned here. It's still a team learning its way through this. Martin St. Louis is still a young NHL coach. Kent Hughes is a new relative NHL GM. Things will change a lot here in the, in the upcoming bits here, but to round out today's show, we do have some leftover mailback questions from Friday. We're going to get into all those and more coming up in our final segment. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. We are going to be back. We're recording Tuesday night, and then Laura will be solo hosting the Friday episode. I am out of town for uh, some work-related events, so I will be unable to make it. Don't worry. We have plenty of good stuff planned uh, for you the rest of this week, so do not worry about that. If you ever want to send us your mailbag questions, you can tweet us, post us, X us at LO underscore Canadians. Canadians at gmail.com if you got a longer question and Twitter is not working, which definitely seems to be a regular occurrence for the most part here. Laura, what do we have left over from the mailbag last week? Uh, we actually got a new um, we got a new mailbag question um, at, while like over the weekend that I thought was an interesting thing to pursue. Uh, sorry, I just uh, forgot to pull it up. Okay, so this comes from our friend Claude S., uh, good friend. All right. Hi, guys. I'm looking for some objectivity. My heart and my head never seem to line up. What is your realistic view of the final Atlantic Division standings for next season? Here is mine. <laughs> Montreal finishes first and the rest of the division ties for last. All kidding aside. <laughs> this is a really interesting question. All kidding aside, do you think Boston's lack of centers, Toronto's cap situation, Tampa's lack of depth at the forward group, Florida's average defense core and playoff hangover, along with the ascension of Buffalo, Detroit, and even that despicable team that plays in our nation's capital, creates more of a balanced division. The reason is, I think that if Montreal has a 10-game swing, they win 41, lose 33, uh, overtime loss or you know, uh, shootout loss eight for 90 points, that might be enough to get into the playoffs. Florida squeezed in with 92 last season. Or am I being too optimistic? Thank you for the joy and the info that you give us. Do you know when you will be back to five days? We are not sure yet. Usually it happens, uh, I believe, when uh, training camp starts. Um, uh, some, some just so that you know. Like we have contractual obligations. That's why we have to do five days a week during the regular season. And we have to do uh, three days a week during the off season. And it really, really depends on when the network um, uh, like agrees to our 
advertisers when we're going to start going to five days a week. Uh, but it's definitely before the regular season. And usually it's like quite a bit before the regular season. So it's probably coming soon. We're almost in September. Um, but I think it's a really intriguing question because as, you know, as Claude pointed out, like it's not necessarily just for everything to go right for the Canadians, but also things have to go wrong for the opponents. Yeah. And I look at this division right now and he brought up a good point. It's like, what is Florida going to be next year? Cause they got in thanks to Alex Lyon being like way above his pay grade and the penguins just absolutely, you know, tripping on their own two feet down the stretch there. Is that going to happen again with the penguins now bringing in Eric Carlson and kind of reinvigorating that lineup with Kyle Dubas at the helm? Probably not. Boston is 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 the pivotal part here. They were so good last year that it just did not they could overcome all of their flaws. They were a team that had flaws that just overcame them by, you know, sheer nonsensory and chicanery here. And then and then, you know, blowing a 3-1. Anyways, yeah, exactly. It was great. <laughs> um so I look at this and I think Boston is going to take a step back and I it pains me to say this out loud. This is probably Toronto's division to lose next year. They, they've made some changes that, like we talked about in our last episode, have made their team potentially worse. But I look at the rest of the division here. Ottawa lost their best, you know, one of their best forwards, or should have been one of their best forwards in Alex Debrinket in a trade to Detroit. Detroit got a very good goal scoring forward in that. And then Buffalo has just remained a really steady team here who continues to get better. And if I'm building from the bottom, the Canadians are probably still going to be in last. I don't think that is a shock to anybody. And I think Toronto will finish at the top. It's, I, it is such a hard, like it is such a hard thing to figure out because everyone's team has changed just enough that if I am looking at the divisions here and I look at this team, Montreal will probably finish last. And then I think Toronto will win the division. And then in there, I think Tampa will finish third. I think Buffalo might finish second in this division next year. Uh, Boston probably in fourth there. And then Ottawa, Detroit. It's going to be a bloodbath in this division here. Like last year, third, fourth, Buffalo barely missed the playoffs. They were one point behind Detroit. That shootout loss to Montreal cost them probably a playoff spot there. Detroit or Ottawa had 86 points. Detroit had 80. It's it's anyone's guess, but I think it's bookended by the two original six teams there with Boston in the middle. And then the year after that, it's it's going to become the most competitive division there for a little bit. Tampa will eventually fade down. Boston is fading down. Florida is anybody's guess next year like an actual true wild card team and i'm fascinated to see what becomes of this just from like a side view because looking at what these other teams are doing it is important to see you know what do the canadians need to do to get to that next level as well honestly like i think it's a really really intriguing question and claude you don't you have no idea how much we appreciate you like really really not um (laughs) You are the reason that we, I still keep coming back to do this podcast because honestly, sometimes it's really, really hard to. Um, so we have another question. And for this one, I have to apologize. Um, it's from Stefan, but for whatever reason, it ended up in our uh, in our junk mail. 
Um, and I didn't find it. So it is a bit older, like it's a bit of an older question, um, but I just found it. Uh, and here's the question. Which left defenseman should we trade? Matheson, Jackeye, Gooley, Harris, Hudson, Struble, Engstrom, Trudeau, Bodin in a package for the perfect winger for the Suzuki line. Everyone's going to yell at me for this. Uh, you, you trade Jack Eye because he's the one whose value is the most inflated right now because of his rookie season. You don't trade Caden Gooley. Caden Gooley should be your workhorse on this blue line for years to come. David Reinbach will ease some of that. Lane Hudson will ease some of that. But Caden Gooley is a thoroughbred player. We love Arbor Jack Eye on this podcast. We do. We need to see what his next level looks like before penciling him into every single future lineup here. I very much think that he has all the talent in the world to be a regular top four NHL player, a good top four NHL player, but it is going to take some time and we need to see where he's at this year. Like I said, there's a chance he might play in the HL. If he needs to find those parts of his game, he is the one I trade though, just because I do think that he It'll has the, the most, most return. Yes, because NHL GMs would be like, he skates, he shoots hard. Oh, man, he's so big, he's absolutely going to be worth way more than some other players. Uh, the next question is, which young player, so age 24 or less, in the NHL would fit the Suzuki line? The suggestion here is Keller. Um, I don't necessarily know if it needs to be 24 or less, but it needs to be relatively young. I was going to say, is this any NHL player then? Like yes. any NHL team? I mean... Keller would be great. Um, I also, and I hate myself for saying this, a guy like Brady Kachuk, who is just at the net front to jam pucks in and do things, is not a bad option either. Like, also, honestly. he won't be in Ottawa. <laughs> exactly. It'd be great. Can you imagine a lineup that has Arbor Jack I and Brady Kachuk in it? No, it's it's so many, it's so many punches. So so many punches it like, is to the fantastic. face. Fantastic. Um, all right, and then finally. Why not go bang and offer Slavkovsky, Baron, and Dvorak for Elias Pettersson? Because I'd rather not trade away our first overall pick after 39 games, a guy that we traded a fan favorite winger for last year. I mean, Dvorak, sure. I but like, and I love Elias Pettersson. I think he's a phenomenal player. But if you're drafting first overall and immediately giving up on a player before you've even seen close to what they become, I think that it it says a lot that maybe you don't believe in them as much as you thought, which kind of throws the whole uh, context of the rebuild into a less than great light, I think. So there's a couple of more mailbag questions, but because we're at time, I'm going to do them in the Friday mailbag. As Scott mentioned, I'm going to be solo. Um, and uh, so if you ever want to leave mailbag questions, you can email them to us at uh, lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. That is actually our preferred method now. Um, and then you can tweet them at us if you'd like uh, or whatever it is now, Twitter, X, you can, you, you can post them to us. Uh, we're at LO <laughs> underscore Canadians. And, um, but really, I think the mailbag questions is, uh, sorry, the, the, email is the best way to get your mailbag questions to us and i yes. promise i will check the junk mail more frequently so sorry about that stefan 
Yeah, and that's the best part is we know that the email will work. We don't know if Twitter is going to work on a day-to-day basis. As always, you can follow our at the active stick. Follow myself at Scott Matlow. We will be back Tuesday with a brand, Tuesday night for your Wednesday morning mailbox with a brand new episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you all next time.